Welcome to Oil Start Monday, a podcast that discusses issues that affect us all, from mental health and well-being to finances and careers, but which we have a tendency to put out on the long finger. As we dive into season two, we'll have another incredible crop of experts in fields as diverse as stress management, parenting and coping with loss, as we ask what we can do starting Monday. That'll be a positive impact on our lives. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking. And with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Island 2021, Nicorette contains nicotine. Stop smoking aid. Requires willpower. Always read the label. I'm Mike Sheridan, editor of Buzz.ie. And for this special first episode, we're flipping the script a bit, as our guest is none other than regular host Keith Walsh here to talk to us about his experience with quitting smoking. Mm, I've never been described as none other before. None other. Like. None other. Now, Keith, when did you start smoking? Well, I, I started smoking as a uh, I, I, 15, probably. Uh, just something to do. Um, <laughs> I grew up in Athlone in the Midlands. There wasn't much else to do, so smoking seemed like a bit of a sort of a pastime, you know, a hobby. Other, other kids seemed to do it, so... I remember smoking Rothmans, absolutely disgusting. That's what the metalers around at Lone, the, the heavy metal dudes with the leather jacket smoked. <laughs> so I didn't know what to buy, so I bought Rothmans. I don't even know if they exist anymore, do they? But uh, yeah, it just seemed to be um, a thing to do. You got to a certain age and, like I wasn't a drinker at that age, but for some reason smoking was different and uh, kind of cool. The older kids did it. So yeah, I started smoking uh, about 15. So it was more people that were around you as opposed to public figures that you saw smoking and went, oh, that's kind of cool. I want to be kind of cool. I think initially it was just like, yeah, kids. I'll tell you what it was, actually. <laughs> now that you think of it, it was in in my school. I went to uh, Mars, the Mars College in Athlone up until junior cert year. In the senior yard in that school, see, the junior yard was up to the intercert and then the senior yard was like fifth year. And if there was transition year, fifth year and sixth year was, was in the senior yard, you were allowed to smoke at break time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, we're not talking about the 1950s here either. No. This is this is the 90s, I assume. Here, the right? 90s, yeah. yeah, yeah. But as soon as, uh, so, so as soon as I get into secondary school, I was like, oh man, I can't wait to get into the. It was a big thing, like you know, I can't wait to get into the senior. I can start smoking. Almost like a socializing thing. Yeah, it was like it was a, it was a rite of passage. You know, once you got to there, then you could start smoking, and that was sort of like so. My smoking happened on train tracks with my friends on the way home from school and you'd hide cigarettes under a rock near the train track and then you go back and they'd be wet and you'd try and smoke them anyway. <laughs> and uh, robbing cigars from your friend's dad or something, you know, but it, it was all like, all track-based smoking. The Athlone hotspot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was all, uh, tr- I was training to, to start to be one of the smokers in the senior yards. That was, that was, <laughs> that was my goal. And was there many in your class at the time that smoked as well around that age? Uh, I don't think so. Like, I remember my best friend was a, was a big swimmer. He was like, he swam uh, for Ireland uh, underage and like would, would have Irish medals and was would have got up in the morning at six Point o'clock. Fine shoulders and, on him, that lad, I'd oh, big, Point shoulders, yeah, yeah. yeah. Long feet, big hands. <laughs> Those Michael Phelps hands. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't a tall guy, but big, big hands. I mean, he was very serious with sport and, you know, got up early in the morning and was training before school and all that kind of stuff. And he was kind of the person I palled around with the most so I think I think I was drawn towards like kind of rock stars as well like that sort of like I you know very early in in my life I started I got a biker jacket and I used to wear like pointy remember those suede pointy boots I don't know this is late 80s stuff anyway so I think I was I thought I, I, I wanted to be a bit of a rock star as well at the same time so I think I was drawn to that idea of cool people maybe like 
Jim Morrison or Well at know. that age as well it, you're, it's such a seminal age those kind of early teen years mid-teen years where you're trying to figure out who you are mm. and like what your crack is or what you stand for and you end up standing for everything or either that or you end up gravitating towards something in particular for an identity so you was obviously you mentioned Jim Morrison who mm. was kind of considered the epitome of cool yeah so it is that isn't it it's like I just kind of want to fit in here but I also want to have an identity I'm not quite sure what that is yet exactly yeah I want to be cool uh, but I yeah I, I can remember fifth year then I was reading Jim Morrison books like I thought I thought the best way to live your life was to live fast and die young uh, so <laughs> so smoking was a good way to <laughs> if you wanted to die young <laughs> that was the best way you know but it didn't matter uh, old age didn't matter and I remember my dad saying to me like oh um, he, he's, he was talking about people saying oh smoking takes 10 years off your life and then people say well they're the 10 worst years so it doesn't matter and I was like that was the only bit I remember but the point of the <laughs> conversation was he was telling me but when you get to, you know, age 70 or 60 or 70, you'll want those 10 years, you know. Yeah. But all I was thinking of was, oh, yeah, it's just the 10 worst years, you know. So for me, it was about uh, being a little bit as reckless as I could be within the confines of my, you know, my little life. And I'd moved to Newbridge at that point, you know, going to school and stuff. But, but kind Getting of closer to the pale. <laughs> yeah, like but just sort of having a sort of an edge of danger about me, you know. Yeah. Um, and at that stage, I was smoking Silkut Reds or something. And I would smoke, you know, at the age of 16, maybe what the Americans say a pack a day but a, p- a pack in Ireland was only like 10 so I was probably smoking about 10 a day at that age into, uh, one into school try and squeeze two in before school one at lunchtime, you know and then a few in the evening you know so I've always had this like aversion to it even the smell of it I've never been a fan of smoking I've never tried it and I'll say there's six of us in my family my father's just passed there's five of us now but my mother was the only one in the family who smoked and I hated it to the point that if somebody I fancied when I was a teenager smoked, even when I was that young, I it would completely turn me off, completely put me off them. I wouldn't fancy them anymore. Are you cigarettist? Are you <laughs> smokerist? But is this a word? Now, are we inventing this word right now? <laughs> smokerist. Use this in the marketing. Smokerist. Did your mother smoke in the car? I mean, I'm trying to remember now. I mean, now she's very careful. She still smokes now. She's 70 now this year. She'll kill me for saying that. But she'll always go to the back. She won't do it. You know, she's... Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure that's more of a sign of the times and that... It's a bit more frowned upon now, I suppose, you know, and everybody's vaping and stuff now as well, which seems to be more acceptable for some reason, even though it looks worse. I suppose the stench is gone. But yeah, it must have been. I don't know if it was the fact that my mother smoked and she would have smoked. I mean, it was, the, again, not too far off yourself. It was the late 80s, 90s, and it was a different time. So and the stench just turned my stomach. Yeah. It still does. I always had been in a car with an adult who smoked. That was the worst. There was no escaping. There was no escaping, <laughs> and it was horrible. And like you know, if you got travel sickness in, in any way, you know, and then the, like the car was just full. I had an uncle who smoked cigars or pipes or whatever, so there was just constant like plume of smoke in the car. I hated that, but I liked smoking. You know, like did you like how it made you feel? Did you like the? Yeah, I liked like I, yeah. Even I remember at that age being young. Uh, you know, I but. In the morning, the first cigarette in the morning, like really enjoying it. So I don't know what was going on. Maybe it was a stress reaction or something. Because it's not what they say about addiction. If if you like how it makes you feel, then you've got an issue. Mm. Because you're trying to, you're chasing that feeling almost. Yeah. So it's not about what you're doing per se. It's what, it's a result of what that mechanism or whatever it is results in your emotion or how it makes you feel. So it became, uh, initially it was about looking cool and then it was just like, oh, I like, (laughs) I really like these. And when did you you decide then or was it, 
an ongoing process then to give them up? Well, yeah, I suppose it was always like, um, I, you know, once I got into my early 20s, then it was always like, I have to give these up. Like, I can't. These, these are like, the, obviously the the information was out there then. You could you could, um, you could, could forgive maybe your mother. You know, it, it wasn't known how bad they were or whatever. And at that stage, you know, a certain generation were hooked anyway at that stage. But like for me, I would have known they were bad for you. I would have known. I, I played football. I played, you know, I liked playing soccer. You know, I played hurling. I shouldn't have been smoking. But there was something about it and I don't know what it was. I'll tell you, like, this could be, a, <laughs> could be getting into something deep here, but my dad had a heart attack at the age of 40, right? So I think in my 20s, I was convinced I was going to die young anyway. Now, he didn't die, but I felt like this, I, I, I think subconsciously I saw his heart attack as a young man, 40, 39. You know, he was young enough for, to have a heart attack. I was like, okay, that's probably going to happen to me. So subconsciously I was like, okay, I'm smoking, I'm drinking, I'm going to enjoy everything because I'm going to die young. So it's almost like I want to squeeze in as much of the good stuff as I can because this is inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, this is like, w- w- why not? Why wouldn't I? I've no reason to. I've no was, reason. This, was this your genuine your mindset at the time, or was it subconscious? This is kind of, I suppose, retrospective. Retrospective. Oh, in yes, my thirties, yeah, yeah. I started looking back and going, "Okay, right, I was a bit reckless in my twenties." So, that, but there's probably, if I, you know, if I was to be, why was that? I'd probably say I thought it was pro- I was going to die uh, quite young um, of a heart attack. <laughs> so, might as well enjoy it while I can. Light them up, smoke them while you got them. I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah, No course, Cure yeah. for Cancer, which had the opposite effect on me in that it, it was called No Cure for Cancer. And I think the idea was he was going to be like, yeah, put people off. Not that he was going to put people off smoking because he basically talked about how great smoking was and smoked all through the whole set. And I watched that probably about 100 times and I loved that. And I, yeah, it was just... It was uh, it was a recklessness about Dennis Leary about him smoking about he talked about these um, packs that they, they you could bring out packs that were black that had a skull and a crossbow on them and call them death and people would still buy them <laughs> You're like give me ten of those you know give me ten packets I'll smoke them you know just like crazy stuff which ended up happening they did have to well they took the pictures off the packs and stuff like that you know and then they've tried all that stuff but yeah I I, I don't know I think it was. Um, I, now, now that I'm talking about it, I feel like I was obsessed. I was <laughs> obsessed with well, smoke. it's funny because I, I saw Dennis Leary live when in the old, uh, in the old Point Depot, so where the tree, tree arena is now, and it was just I think around the time that that smoking ban came in, and the first thing he did was light up a smoke and yeah. talk about how he's you know you 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 asked Dennis Leary to do a show in Dublin, you know it's it's going to happen now. How much he was fine there or thereafter, but it is it's almost it's figures like that who have this or appear at least have this effortless cool that you can't help but aspire towards. And if that's a big part of what their aesthetic is, that's going to be part of what you aspire towards. Yeah, but it was all that. It was like Dennis Leary, it was Jim Morrison, people dying young, but but living the rock and roll lifestyle and just squeeze as much as you can in because it's going to all end soon. And, and that was kind of my... That was my, that was me, you know. Then in my 30s, like, hang on a second, actually, I want to live a bit longer if I can. So then I sort of started looking at things and trying to give up smoking and um, how many times how many conscious. times did you try like every week like for you'd make it a few days and then you'd come back you'd make it a few more days you'd break stuff like that yeah it? it was all the time or I'd give myself I'd say like I was, okay I'm, I'm only going to smoke five a day and that's it that's my limit and I would have times where I would smoke like so in my in my early 30s I used to smoke five a day I'd have one in the morning I'd have one just before I was on a breakfast show at the time. I'd have one just before we went on air. And then I'd have like two in the evening or so. Like I'd have them worked out when I'd smoke. 
Uh, so I was kind of trying, like I was trying to give up, but I really liked them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. Well, I didn't want to, <laughs> yeah. but I knew I had to. And I was like, oh, my whole li- I'm going to be struggling with this for my whole life. I really liked Cigarette Before Bed. I really liked c- Cigarette First Thing in the Morning. I, re- like, I-, I was like, for me, it was like the show won't be good unless I have that cigarette just before we go on air. And how were people around you with it? How was your, your wife, your girlfriend at the time? Yeah, okay. Like, I didn't never smoked in the house. Okay. So even at that point, so you, that was the first thing. thing you woke up, you'd be outside at the back garden? Or yeah, whatever. like, I'd wake up and I'd head for work, so I'd smoke in the car or whatever, you know. Um, but I, yeah, never smoked in the house. Always, it was always outside. And generally, yeah, so before I went to bed, I'd go out, out the back and have a smoke and then and, and go to bed. I was convinced that it helped me sleep. Do you know what I mean? It was like... It eases I, your anxiety almost. It, you feel like it does. It did. It definitely did. Yeah. It definitely did, actually, now that you say it. That was a, probably a big thing. Because lots of people say that, right? Mm. It's they just associated with the easing of anxiety. Yeah, and I would have now looking back, I would have had a lot of anxiety that I wasn't aware of. So that was kind of you thought like, you were going to die when you were forty. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's all coming up now. It's all coming to the surface. But I would have had a lot of anxiety uh, that I didn't really deal with, and I think the drinking and the smoking and whatever else was managing the, the, the anxiety and the worry um, um, whatever whatever was going on in my head but yeah it was it was in my 30s then I started you know giving myself look so my I had crutch cigarettes so I'd have to have one in the morning have to have one just before a show and have to have one just before bed so like I did eventually kind of get down to maybe I could survive on three a day and then yeah it was just it was like it's sometimes then you'd, it'd be the weekend and you might smoke a Twenty. Or is, that, is that what they call a crutch? Crutch smoking. So where some people say, "I only have them when I'm drinking. Mm. I only have them when I'm having a drink." And then Social it becomes smoker. that's that's crutch smoking as well, is it? Yeah. Well, like I had certain crutch cigarettes during the day, and then the weekends I was a social smoker. So that was like it was all, just a smoker. All, all bets were off. Yeah. 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 As the weekends I was a smoker, so you could go through twenty of a night. You know, I loved drinking and smoking together. So and then like. <laughs> You know, so that was possibly the worst thing anyone could do to themselves, really. But as time went on, I I got cut down to like two a day. So it was like just first thing in the morning and, you know, last thing at night. Uh, I do remember a friend of mine going on the patches, but then realising and then they, she couldn't give up smoking. So she was like on the patches and smoking at the same time. <laughs> it was a crazy time. It was the 90s. You had to be there. There was but no Internet. There was no Internet. But yeah, I got, I, I got, I bought, I invested in one of these cigarettes that were like battery operated. When you inhaled, smoke came out and the top of it lit up like a little. There was a you used to charge with top. a USB, wasn't yeah, it? I yeah. remember seeing them. Yeah. yeah. So I got one of those and that was my decision. I was like, I'm going to use this if I'm, if, you know, I, 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 if I need a, a crutch cigarette, I have this. And I carried it around with me. And that was the thing. And it was so disgusting that I just stopped smoking and do you remember they used to have when my mum had those when she was trying to cut back on the nicotine way back when and they had these little filters that you would put on the cigarettes do you remember those I remember looking at them because my mum would get them there was this new thing that came out she must have seen it on the shop like a channel. filter that you put into your you put on, yeah it looks like a filter that you put at the bottom of the cigarette mm. and it would basically get the tar, it would collect the tar and I've never seen anything more disgusting in my life than looking into that filter and what it was collecting the tar that it was collecting and to go, how can you put this in your body? Like it's, it's bananas. But obviously, it's deeper than that. Mm. It's deeper than that for everybody. It was deeper than that for you. Yeah. Did you? How would you? How do? How did you feel about your health around? And that was obviously the reason why you decided to give up. But did you notice you'd get out of breath a bit more? Like you, you're still exercising, you're still training, you weren't, you weren't feeling a hundred percent. 
Yeah, like I didn't, I, I like I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like, I got to a point where I just didn't like this, it, 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 there being a smell on There's me. Like a yeah, I didn't there. like the smell of, of, of uh, cigarettes on me. And I I did, I played hurling, I played sports, so I didn't, I, you know, it just didn't add up. So there was like, there was almost a disgust about it almost. So you would like, you'd go out the back uh, of the house to smoke and you would, you'd almost do it like, you'd hide it from people nearly, you know, like I, I would just tell my wife I wasn't smoking. But, you know, I mean, you just lie to yourself basically. Plus the chewing gums coming back into the house to sort yeah, of bread like, out. Well, yeah, like always washing, brushing my teeth, washing my hands, brushing my teeth, washing my hands. Michael you know? very clean hands, <laughs> yeah. ready for COVID. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a, it was a psychological inner psychological warfare with the cigarettes, you know. I think the the fake cigarettes kind of did it for me then, you know. They were so they were so disgusting that just, I don't know what happened. There was a there was a change. I obviously just really wanted to give up, and then I decided that these these fake cigarettes would do the so job. They're almost they, like they, a, they did because I didn't go back on the cigarettes you know? because they were almost like a gateway. Because you were like, I can go back to the I can keep with the fake cigarettes, but they're almost worse, and I can't go back smoking because that's even worse for me. So you just, you went, did you go cold turkey then? Yeah, exactly. That was, this was my only option now. So so either you smoke this fake cigarette or that's it, or you give up. So there's no going back once I made that decision. Uh, so it was it was kind of cold turkey, except I, I still had that fake cigarette every now and then just if I needed something to sort of like pull up to my mouth or to... You know, at, at, what point, at what point then, Keith, did you, I was, well, how do I want to phrase this, but did you fall off the wellness cliff in a good way? <laughs> And you became, you know, a fitness fanatic. So you went from one extreme to the other extreme. It was a bit of an addiction then to to exercise. I say that as somebody who's very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my crutch is probably Coke Zero, to be honest, which is worse things. But still, I think everybody has them. Yeah, I mean, I I think it was, I think probably towards my later, my 40s, I suppose, late 30s, when I realized that I had a checkup. (laughs) I mean, I should have, probably should have had a checkup. You know, in my 20s, if my dad had almost died of a heart attack at 39, I should have had a check. So I went and got my heart checked and did the whole stretch test and all that kind of stuff. And I was absolutely fine. And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you telling me? I thought I was on the way out. Tell me I'm going to live forever? I better do something about this. So that was kind of like, oh, my God, I realized I wasn't going to die. And I was quite healthy considering. So I was like, OK, right, I need to. Um, this need, I need to kick this up a notch. So just knowing that I wasn't going to, you know, die. <laughs> Uh, doing that test I was just like because I was a very um, I did everything to extremes you know so like in my 20s I was drinking and smoking a lot and in my 30s then I eventually knocked the cigarettes in the head but I still drank a good bit so like if I did something I did it well you know I was into it you committed to it I committed to it you know I'm a drinker you know I'm a smoker and you know and it was part of who I was you know so then when I got into I think it was, I mean, I always played a bit of sport, a bit of football, you know yourself, five-a-side, played hurling for junior hurling in Kildare. But then I think it was my first marathon then was the first time that I thought, oh, there's something in this that I like, you know. I did a show on RTE called The Gun Show. The Gun Show is what it's called, where I tried <laughs> the guns of Newbridge, uh, where I tried to get a six-pack um, and I, I gave myself six months to get a six pack and then and it was a documentary and that got me into the gym that got me into nutrition all that kind of stuff and subsequently I enjoyed going to the gym and I started training for marathons and all that kind of stuff so I sort of kick started it but that wasn't I wouldn't say, have said that was a healthy fitness uh, that was a gym fitness where I took pre-workout dr- caffeine laden pre-workout drinks that would like make your f- Make you your shakes, yeah, yeah. Make you fizz physically, protein shakes, 
protein bars. Like when I do something, I do it like. You went all in. I went all. I was only eating chicken breasts, no carbs. Uh, you know, if I was eating carbs, it was like um, it was like melon or something like that. You know, it was, it was everything. Like so, when you ridiculous. when you go to these type of personal trainers, I've done a few of these things as well over the years. They're very very extreme, mm. and they give you these really extreme nutrition plans and obviously not all of them it's just some of them but when it's clearly aesthetic based it's no carbs you can have one one or three bits of brown rice and has to be wholemeal and you can have there's all these different rules that they put in place so it's so extreme that it could never be sustainable but it's also a bit addictive because you start seeing the physical results of it yeah totally yeah because they're like well you they know that you'll see results straight away almost within the first few weeks you'll, you'll sign up for another six weeks you'll be like oh my god this is brilliant <laughs> yeah. yeah but like but me, meanwhile your life is miserable and you're having two chicken breasts for your dinner and, and you know you're measuring your rice and all that kind of stuff but but, but maybe I, I replaced fit, cigarettes with fitness or do you know what I mean that's like, what it sounds like because I am uh, I was talking to somebody the other day and uh, <laughs> I don't know if this is going to help anybody else trying to give up smoking but every now and then my wife will say something like, oh, why have we got 15 tins of chickpeas in the press? And I'll be like, oh, I've stopped eating chickpeas. And she was like, what? And I'll, I'll go through a period of having only chickpea curry every night and I know exactly what it is and I know exactly, you know, how many calories are in it and that's the, my meal and I'll have that. I'll cook dinner for the family, but I'll cook myself a chickpea curry and I'll do that for like three months and all I eat for every dinner is chickpea curry. And then I'll stop suddenly and I'll start eating something else. But... I'll keep buying the chickpea. So just we end up with just to, like just in case you you would want to go back to the chickpea, oh, I, you wanted just, the option of the chickpea. It's just there yeah. in my head. I still have to buy the chickpeas, but I'll have stopped and I'll have moved on to only having smoothies for my dinner. So so I'm only buying bananas now and fruit and frozen fruit. And then I'll stop e- having the smoothies. And then at some po- point, my wife will be like, "Why are there twenty rotten bananas in the fruit bowl?" Like, oh, um, I stopped eating bananas. Don't need to buy them anymore. Uh, so I just have. I talked to my therapist the other day and he said, you just need to get used to the fact that you're like that. You are, you get obsessed. You have obsessions about things and you do things obsessively. And once you, uh, <laughs> once you realise that about yourself, you can probably relax a little bit. Because elements of it are you seeing that something is working and going all in on it like yeah. you did with the smoking and you did with the, you know, these aspirational figures and like I'm, I'm going to be a drinker, I'm going to be a smoker, becomes about identity. Mm. So you really went all in on the, the health and fitness kick as well. Your wife sounds like she's incredibly supportive. <laughs> Very patient. <laughs> patient is the word, I think. But she's like, oh, here we go again, you know, with everything. So like, so it was the gym and that was the six pack thing. And I was obsessed with that. I even went to uh, become a trainer. Yeah, so I, I, I am a, a, certified tra- PT. A, a certified personal trainer. You know, I went to college at night to do it. Like I went so far. You know, because there's so much discipline involved in something like that. Mm. So, I mean, and it's one of those that you'd wonder if, you know, people would think, oh, I don't have the discipline for that. I don't have the discipline. And whether it's you going to college or like if you're doing a morning show or whatever at the time and then you're going to college at night or wherever it might be, you had that discipline to go back the same way you had that discipline to give up smoking in the first place. Yeah. As long as it took you. Once you were able to kind of separate the two things from your identity, you were like, okay, I don't need it anymore. Yeah. And everybody's process is obviously different. Mm. Yeah, I have a certain, I think I have a certain determination. So like, I, yeah, I, it definitely took me a while to give up the smoking, but I, yeah, I knew I was going to get there at some point. I'd find, I'd find a way. And it was like, when, that, when I found that cigarette that you could plug in and you could charge, I was like, that's my way out. I used to work with a guy that used, that, that used the same, that's how I knew. And I would see it plugged into his desktop and be like, what the, 
He's just plugging in the He's sitting in the office, you know, puffing away on it. And I, I actually, I have friends who never smoke. Mm. And their partner or girlfriend or boyfriend may smoke, or may have smoked, but now they vape. And this person never never smoked or vaped. And we'll just start vaping. They'll pass over. A friend of mine did it. There's another friend of mine the other night, and I was like, you vape now? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, I mean, I, I, like... To, I, and I think the thing with young people now, like, because smoking is still a thing, isn't it? And I'm like, what well, is it? Re- maybe, maybe it's a hipster thing. Like, it's retro. If you like, I, I don't vape. I smoke real cigarettes. You know. Like, oh yeah, you, you're you, pure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm authentic, man. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I only, I, you know, cycle bicycles and smoke real cigarettes and uh, don't wear socks. You know. But yeah, I think, I think, I, I feel like it was, because I, because I, I gave up drinking two years ago. And. It wasn't until, and we talked about anxiety. So it wasn't until I dealt with my anxiety, which was going to therapy uh, for about a year. So sometimes people try to give something up without dealing with the reason they're doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what I'm, the reason I'm saying this is somebody might be beating themselves up over the head. With, I think I, I just need to stop. Why haven't I stopped Why can't this? I stop yeah. this? Why can't I stop having a glass of wine? Why can't I stop smoking? I just need to stop. I, I'm, I've no willpower. I'm weak. I'm a weak that person. self-loading. And then you hate yourself because you smoke. And every cigarette you smoke, you hate and you hate yourself. And it's a reminder of how much you hate yourself. You know, the, the way I was able to give up drink was therapy. Because then I dealt with what, what, why I had a problem with myself. And the bit of that self-loathing and where the anxiety was coming from and once I dealt with that I was able to say well, actually do you know what I don't need the drink anymore because I was self-medicating with it and that's all it was ever with the smoking probably with the drinking whatever else was self-medicating to try and get it's through kind of cl- clouding something get through life yeah just taking the edge off something whatever and how like you're two years so you're two years off mm. drink in particular now have you noticed the uh, discernible difference in how you feel day to day skin stuff like that as well well you see I suppose yeah like I would have always yeah I sleep better uh, I feel better my anxiety levels are better I I don't have you know brain fog I'm more focused like I, my focus is terrible but it's better than it was like it used to be really bad you know um, and yeah so I mean lo- loads of things but I think the thing the things that I like now are like I'll take certain vitamins or I might, you know, try take CBD oil. And I really feel the effects of those things because they're not clouded by the fact that I'm hungover or I've been smoking. You're trying to fix the hangover. <laughs> you're trying to yeah. 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 So you're not taking something to fix to like I was a great man for doing things to allow me to drink and like be a healthy drinker. You yeah. know, so drinking lots of water and, you know, if you're going out that weekend. That doesn't work when you're close to 40. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but it's not even the it's not even the physical problems with drink it's the it's the mental anguish you know that, that's what yeah, I, I don't think people realise that that's what it is sometimes mm. and even a couple of days later and, and it just lasts that bit longer as well it is this inherent anxiety that just creeps up on you and stays there for a few days yeah I did this test where I didn't drink for like the guts of six months initially whatever and then I decided I heard this I'd read this book and there was a method where you you go you go off drink for six months and then one weekend you drink what you normally would have drank before you gave up so I did that for that for one weekend. And afterwards, I was like, oh, my God, like I'd f- completely forgotten about it was like Tuesday or Wednesday after that weekend. I completely forgotten about that feeling, that sense of doom, like something terrible was going to happen. Like I was a terrible person. I was about to be arrested for something terrible I did. Something bad was going to happen. And that was the 
that was a feeling I just had for that whole week and I was going that's why I don't want to drink anymore not not because of the you know bit of a headache on a Saturday morning or you know or the bank balance, <laughs> or the bank balance. Yeah, I mean that's 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 well, that's the, and that's the same for, for same for smoking, same as well. for smoking the as bank well. Balance, like yeah. it's it's one thing I say to my mother now. It's silly money. I'll tell you something about smoking that I think really made me want to give up, and I just sort of remembered it here now. If I was drinking and I had a night out, sometimes at some point I'd have my last cigarette before I went to bed, and whatever is in a cigarette whatever the chemical effect of that a couple of times I'd smoke it and it would al- it, I, it would I'd almost be knocked out as in like I'd fallen over so I'd I'd be sitting in with the wife we'd have a few glasses of wine or whatever you know maybe my few glasses of wine was more than someone else's but if I went out and had that cigarette then just before bed a couple of times it happened to me that I had fallen over and hit my head so it, the effects of whatever is in and I was like what the hell is in these things that is ma- as, that is having that effect on me? The combination of the drink and then that final cigarette was making me fall. Like I fell over once and hit my head, and uh, I was and I had a like gash in my head, and I was like, oh my god, that that that, was, that gave me a fright. Yeah, because it made me then go, what chemicals are in these things that is having that effect on? And me? did you remember how it happened, or did you just was it a case of waking up? Having banged your head, or no? You felt dizzy, I just lo- you felt like I just fell over. Okay. Like I just couldn't. I lost control of my legs I just went I just fell I just went like it was like I had a few drags of cigarette and then I just went down like I knew I didn't knock myself out I just went and that and I thought so it happened once and then it happened another time I was like this is I knew it was a direct result of having this cigarette and I was like okay that's it I need to I need to keep these things up these are bad do you remember there was they're a right movie? they are bad it's, a, it's one of my it's probably my favourite movie of all time it's up there anyway and I think it's one of the most underrated movies of all time the film called The Insider have you ever seen this movie no. or heard about it? Russell Crowe was nominated for an Oscar for an Al Pacino's and it was late 90s it came out. But it's a director called Michael Mann and it's based on the lawsuits that happened in the US in I think the late 90s or mid 90s and this professor Jeffrey Wigand who was he was he was involved in the kind of intrinsics of making these cigarettes addictive or he knew they were addictive. Don't quote me on that. He knew they were addictive. And he basically was a whistleblower and spoke to 60 Minutes and there was a whole thing around 60 Minutes airing his episode and then that became a scandal. But it was all, it was fascinating. I remember at the time reading interviews with Michael Mann and he went on to do what he did, had done Heat before that, one of the best directors of all time when he was co-writing the script and he said he still, he still smoked writing the script. So he's writing the script for this movie about you know, how addictive these cigarettes were and these people had to stand in front of Congress and attest to it and admit to it after denying it. And he's like, oh, yeah, still smoked. <laughs> what, like, what, like, that's insane, isn't it? It shows the power, I suppose. Yeah. And it shows that, you know, he's obviously able to compartmentalise it as well. You know that, oh, these two things are different. And I probably need to do, I mean, I, I can't speak for Michael Mann, but he probably thought, I need to, you know, I need to smoke to get through my process that I have when I'm writing the script. It helps him get through his process, even though what he's writing is about the utter detriment yeah. that these things can have on people's health. It's insane. And I think... I think that's it. I, th- I I think that like no, like Dennis Leary said, you, you know, even if they had a black box with skull and crossbow on them, people would still be like, you know, still be buying them, you know, because because it's it's to do with like we think about as I said, like we think about giving up and we think we're bad people if we can't give up and we you know we we're disgusted with ourselves, but I think it's it's psychological and it's mental, and I think for me it was once I started working on my you know, physical health and thinking about my mental health, that's when the sort of the grip of it 
you you more address the overall anxiety mm-hmm. within than just the smoking almost. You kind of have to look at your environment, what you're doing. Thing, are you doing things you enjoy? Are you where are you getting your uh, dopamine from? You know, because you know, you, what what why are you getting your hits? Why are you getting hits from cigarettes? Why do you want those hits? Can you get them elsewhere? And you fill your life with other way, other dopamine hits like running or walking or whatever it is, and that's how you end up breaking the the cycle or the bond between you and the cigarette. I think it's just finding other things, other ways to get that. Get that and that doesn't get have that to be hit. exercise for people as well, I suppose. It could be a case of chatting to somebody who makes you feel nice. Yeah, Doing could, something nice yeah. for somebody makes you feel nice. There are these different ways of getting that dopamine hit. Doing something that you enjoy. And it could be like, you know, you could be stuck in a job you don't enjoy or you're trying to, you know, go back to college or you, whatever you're interested in, but finding other ways to get that, that dopamine hit. Or for me, like with drinking and, and uh, probably, uh, I probably could have done with doing the therapy thing earlier. Uh, but that's what, helped me give up the drink was that I realised I didn't need it anymore but it was because I dealt with whatever anxiety I was dealing with you know so Keith you're, you're, a, uh, you're, you're a health beacon I tell you that much I love this <laughs> look those guns there the did, gun show I could see what that I could see, <laughs> see what that documentary was made Keith there's hope for everybody that's the point I was a lost cause for about two decades look at you now look at me now <laughs> Paragon <laughs> So as you know, Keith, our listeners are looking to make small but impactful changes to their lives. So looking at next Monday in particular, for example, uh, what do you think our listeners could do on Monday to start making progress towards that goal, that first goal of becoming smoke free? So uh, my advice would be starting Monday to um, do something small. Give yourself realistic goals. So, I mean, I gave up uh, over time by smoking less every day. So whatever it is that you can do, so whether it's NRTs or whether it's just cutting down, just find something that works for you. Give yourself a realistic goal. Everybody's going to be different. Everyone's going to be different. You know, the patches work for some people. uh, Cutting down works for other people. The gum, whatever it is. Balance a boat, whatever it might be. Yeah, Yeah, a balance. But give yourself realistic goals and don't be like, I think the problem is people are like, I'm giving up. I'm I like, it never works when you say I'm I'm cutting out smoking from Monday. It won't work. You'll just go back. You know, to 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 go from ten to zero is is wrong. So go from ten to nine, or go from ten to eight, and then introduce a patch or whatever it is. Uh, but just make it something that's manageable and doable, and that you have goals. Because if you have goals, if your goal is to give up ten and and stop smoking straight away, you smoke ten a day, and, and you want to stop smoking straight away, that's unrealistic. It's not going to work, and you'll be upset, and you'll just go back to smoking. So just small goals, realistic goals, start Monday. You two could get as ripped as Keep Watch. You, you could be. You could have guns like Keep Watch. You could be on the same health journey. Start could be Monday. be as brilliant as me. Just don't ask my wife. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Keith. Every day in Ireland, more than 200 people give up smoking. And with Nicorette, you could join them. Join the quitters with Nicorette, clinically proven to help you quit for good. Based on Healthy Island 2021, Nicorette contains nicotine. Stop smoking aid. Requires willpower. Always read the label.